So good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank good morning. you. Thank you. Uh, we're going to be. Well, I want to say we're starting a new series, but it's really a, con- a continuation of an old series. We've just finished seven letters to seven churches in the book of Revelation, chapter one to three. But I want to continue on through this amazing and often misunderstood book. It's almost entirely unique in Scripture. There are parts of Daniel and there are parts of Ezekiel that come close to Revelation, but certainly in the New Testament, it's a standalone book and uh, it's an amazing book. And we're coming this morning to Revelation chapter 4. So, you got your Bible? Okay, let's go. After this, John has just uh, had an amazing revelation of Jesus in chapter 1. And he's spoken uh, prophetic words to each of the seven churches. And he says, after this, I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also, before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the centre... Around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and behind. The first of the living creature, sorry, the first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. And the fourth was flying like an eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now, uh, just I just note this because this can happen in Revelation a lot. 
How does John know that day and night they never stop saying that? How long was he watching them? Was he watching them for 24 hours, for 48 hours? Or is this just something that you can do in Revelation? He knew somehow that they never stopped singing. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Father, would you give us insight into your amazing, powerful word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, as I say most Sundays, I'll say it again. I can't give this chapter justice in the small time I'll be speaking to you this morning. Uh, I'll be digging deeper on Thursday. And if you want to see that, uh, if you're watching this and you want to dig deeper, it's Harvest Church Croydon on YouTube playlist digging deeper more than conquerors and you will find that I explain a lot of this in more detail what are the living creatures about why have they got eyes all over the place who is it that's seated on the throne doesn't actually say who's seated on is it God is it God the father or is it God the Son, and so forth. So I'll be going into all of that in more detail. But I just want to pick out one or two things. The first thing I want to do is ask you a question. When you think of heaven, what do you think of? What's heaven like? My memory of the word heaven is embedded in my soul because I've shared with you before that as a seven-year-old boy, when my father, the night my father died, my mother came back from hospital and said to me, your dad is in heaven. That was how she put it. She didn't say, your dad has died. She was a believer in the Lord Jesus. She said, your dad's in heaven. So I'm thinking, what is heaven like? If you'd asked me as a seven-year-old boy, what's heaven like? I would have said, heaven's where my dad is. That would have been my description of heaven. Heaven's where my dad is. And one day... I will go there too. That's what I had been told. If you 
give your life to the Lord Jesus, you will go to heaven when you die. That's what I was told. That's what I believed. I still do. But what is heaven like? Now, uh, maybe that's something that we could talk about in our Zoom Connect. What do you see when you think of heaven? I think for most of us, because we are human beings, we think in terms of our senses. What will heaven look like? Sight. What will heaven sound like? Sound. Hearing. What will heaven taste like? What will heaven smell like? And what will we be able to touch? Now, you get this in Revelation. Uh, just give you some examples. This, um, this throne, John said, it had the appearance, uh, sorry, the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. So somebody is sitting on the throne that has the appearance of precious stones. He's seeing something, but he's struggling to describe what he's seeing. He says, I heard a voice like a trumpet. What does a voice like a trumpet sound like? I mean, what does a voice like a trumpet? What's he getting at? He's, he's struggling. He's saying, when I heard this voice, it was like a trumpet. Maybe he's speaking about volume. Maybe he's speaking about uh, getting his attention, whatever. He's struggling. Um, he talks later about golden bowls of incense containing the prayers of the saints. He's saying prayers in heaven smell. Your prayers smell. What? He says later on, I was given a scroll, a small scroll to unravel and read. And instead of reading it, I ate it and it tasted like honey. Taste. Touch. In Revelation 1, Jesus holds the seven stars in his hand, in his right hand. He holds the seven stars in his right hand. Touch. So can you see that we're going to struggle here? We will encounter in the book of Revelation structures like thrones, gates, cities. We will find creatures like angels, demons, lions, lambs, dragons, beasts. We will discover phenomenon like plagues, 
earthquakes, pollution, cosmic upheaval. Uh, we will see battles taking place. There will be tears. There will be praise. And there will be worship. And it's all in this taking place in this book. A lot in heaven. So why am I saying all this? If you try to interpret this book in terms of your five senses, you will struggle. You need to discern this book with your heart more than with your senses. You need to get a feel of what is happening. I often describe this as the difference between a realist painting and an impressionist painting. If you go to an art gallery and you look at a constable, constable used to paint countryside in great detail. So when you look at his drawing, his painting of a tree, it looks like a tree. It could almost be a photograph of a tree. But you go to Vincent van Gogh and you look at his sunflowers. He's just splashing that paint on. He's not interested in the detail. He's, he's trying to get what he's feeling onto the canvas. So when you look at a Van Gogh, you don't go right up next to it and go, oh, what's he saying here? You might do that with a constable and you might see a little man that you wouldn't have seen if you'd stood far back. But if you go up to a Van Gogh like that, you'll just see a big splodge. And it's only when you step back that you see the thing. That's how I believe you approach revelation. And all those biblical scholars that try to pick this book apart and fit it in to space-time events will fail. And you can see this through history. For example, there's a beast in Revelation. The beast has been characterized as Nero. Oh no, it's not Nero. It's Hitler. Oh, oh no, it's not Hitler. It's Mussolini. Oh no, it's not Mussolini. It's Trump. Or it's Obama. Or it's, and you pick who it is until it becomes clear that it's not. And you look for someone else. Now that's not how to approach this book. So, let's take one point this morning and let's consider this. After this I looked and there before me was a door standing open. Now, if you're interpreting this wrong, you'll say, okay, so heaven's got a door. 
You'll know you're getting to heaven because it's a door. Is it a big door or a small door? Is it a wooden door or a steel door? Is it a red door or a black door? Listen, hey, that's not what it's saying. It's saying heaven has an open door. And an open door lets you see through it. You go and you knock on a door. If the door's closed, you don't know who's behind it. You don't know what they look like and you never will until that door is open. Heaven's door is open and what do you see? God on his throne. Church, can you see it? Persecuted church, can you see it? God is on his throne. He's seated on his throne. He's in control. What does the Lord teach us about prayer? Our Father, who is in heaven. Before you say, give us today our daily bread. And don't lead us into temptation. Before you do that, our Father who is in heaven. Because my Father is in heaven, he will give me bread. He will answer my prayers because he's seated in heaven and the door is open. If you've got young children and they're in a room, you probably want the door open because you want to know what's going on. And what do we see? An all-powerful, all-present one. The Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Through that open door, we can see a God who is all-present. He's the God of the perpetual present. And he's seated on his throne. The message is this. God is saying, I'm here. I'm here. I'm in control. And so what's the fitting response? Worship. We worship him. What else does the open door tell us? Heaven's open for business. There's no lockdown in heaven. It's open for business, perpetually. Now, in Revelation 1, we were shown something that encouraged us. In Revelation 1, there was a picture of Jesus and he was walking amongst the lampstands. That's the church. Jesus is walking around the church. That's us. By his spirit, Jesus is walking. In other words, Jesus is ascended in heaven, but he's here. Where two or three are gathered in the midst, there am I in the midst of them. Jesus, he may be the ascended glorious Lord seated at the right hand of the Father and all that, but he's here. Not only that, but here's what's mind-boggling. We're with him in heaven. 
Revelation 5:11. I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousand. Uh, and they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. Verse 13, then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, under the earth and on the sea and all that's in them singing to him who sits upon the throne. And um, we will see this again and again, that the church is in heaven. And we maybe would think, oh, he must be speaking about the dead believers that are in heaven. No, we're in heaven as well. Um, how does Paul say it? Ephesians 2. Let me read this to you. Ephesians 2 verse 4. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgression. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, raised us up from the dead with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So we have spiritually been raised to the heavenly realms. You see, uh, because we are human, we would think we can't be in two places at once. You've never been in two places at once. I've never been in two places at once. But you can be in two states at once. And heaven is much more a state than a place. We talk about going to heaven as though it was a, a journey. And um, in the old days, because we didn't know much about the planets and all that, we might have thought that heaven is its kind of up there, just beyond the moon. Or maybe it's just beyond the galaxy. Or maybe it's just beyond the universe. And so we'll have to go on a journey to get to heaven. And sometimes the Bible talks in these terms, but that's to make it simple for us. Actually, heaven is far more a reality than a place. And so there we are pictured in heaven. Now, religion, oh, let me just say, the Father's there, the Spirit's there, and the church is there. Those 24 on their thrones that we've not talked about yet, that's the church, the representation. Religion, many world religions, are about trying to find a door to get through, to get to heaven. Maybe if I fast, the door will open. Maybe if I give all my money away, the door will open. Maybe if I'm very, very good, the door will open. Maybe if I uh, live a very frugal life or go on a pilgrimage, the door will open. The message is the door is open and you can go there anytime you like. Remember Laodicea, the last church. It was a church of the closed door. Mm -hmm. 
uh, Philadelphia, the Lord said, I've set before you an open door. And we thought in terms of open doors of opportunity, but maybe he's talking about heaven. I've set before you an open door. You can live under an open heaven this morning. The blessings coming down. So our prayer goes up through the open door to Father. And his answers come down through the open door to us. Heaven, it's not a place where you go when you die. I know that's what my mum said. And I don't think she was wrong by saying your dad's in heaven. But heaven is not essentially a place where you go when you die. Heaven is a reality that you can live in now. Jesus said the kingdom is near you and will be in you. We can live under an open heaven. And that's the message of essentially of Revelation 4. When we go to dig deeper, I will show you all the things that are in this picture. Amazing things. But the essential message is this, that God is in control. Church, remember John's church, Pergamum, Thyatira, Laodicea, they're under persecution some of them may be feeling God has forgotten us. God isn't listening to my prayers. God seems a million miles away. No. The door's open. God's on his throne. And he hears you. And, and he is able to answer you. And he is able to take you through. So if you felt like that this week, God seems to be very far away. That's a lie. That's a lie from the enemy. He's here. He's here. Uh, he's not a thousand miles away or a thousand light years away. He's a prayer away. That's how close he is. So shall we pray? Father, we want to bless you. That there is a door standing open in heaven. The prayers go up and the blessings come down. The prayers go up and the blessings come down. We want to thank you for that, Father. We can live under an open heaven. When we read earlier about Ecclesiastes, nothing is new under the sun. That's true, but everything is new when you're living under an open heaven. So, Father, our eyes are on you this morning. And we want to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We want to say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.